Hello, everybody. This is Jack Mitchell here at SPL Perspectives and my esteemed partner, John Bricado. And so this episode is airing on Halloween Ooh, weekend. I know it's kind of cheesy, but you know, sometimes you give out a microphone, <laughs> you can have a little fun <laughs> with it, right? Jazzed up, you know? <laughs> so on this episode, uh, we're going to have a really, really, and I say, I got to say this all the time, but a good surprise guest that many folks will love to hear from. And I'm going to let John go on ahead and do the intro. Yeah, someone who we know very well and that we're really excited to have on the podcast, Lisa Ryan. She's the business official at Monroe One BOCES and also is the president of ASBO New York this year. She's been doing a phenomenal job as president, but we really dive into more so of what her career has kind of panned out to be. She gets some great advice and really we talk about what she's passionate about and what she sees moving forward with the organization of ASBO. So we're really excited to bring you this interview today. And here's our interview with Lisa Ryan. Today on the podcast, we have Lisa Ryan. Lisa Ryan is the Assistant Superintendent for Finance and Operations for the Monroe One BOCES. She has worked in the field of school district and BOCES finances for 30 years. Lisa earned a Certificate of Advanced Study in School Business Administration for SUNY Brockport, along with a Master's in Education. Her undergraduate degree is in accounting from St. John Fisher College. Lisa began her career as a staff auditor with the Raymond F. Wagner CPA firm before becoming the treasurer for Genesee, Wyoming BOCES. She then moved into a middle management position as the manager of financial services for Genesee Valley BOCES before transitioning into a shared business official position between Wyoming Central and Mount Morris Central. In 2002, Lisa joined Geneseo Central as a business administrator, where she worked until coming to Monroe One BOCES in 2010. Lisa is currently the president of ASBO New York, a member of two local chapters, Rochester and BOCES, and several statewide ASBO committees. She has served as a chapter officer in local chapters before being elected to the board of directors. She is a graduate of the ASBO New York SBO Leadership Academy, and she was a member of the ASBO New York Membership Committee for six years. She has also served as a co-chairperson for the ASBO New York Government Relations Committee. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you. Oh my gosh. And that's quite, now, the, quite the rap sheet there too. You've been I was going to say, the years. podcast is over. That's all we need right there. <laughs> no, right. thanks for listening, everybody. We're done. That is a well-polished, you know, it's so funny, Lisa, I've known you like the last three years on the board and some stuff I just learned. It's so amazing. Like it's, I mean, wow. I have to pause for a minute for listeners because you got to soak that in. That is really a well-polished and it's not even like your career is over. You're still, you're still burgeoning. You're still uh, moving forward. So thanks to Leanne Lisa for coming on. And you're welcome. I have to say this, this is going to be probably the most fun podcast because a lot of times we don't get in this, in this situation where we feel like we're interviewing somebody. This is going to be a real conversation. We know we does it so well being we're all board members here. Right. And yeah. this is going to be great. So, I mean, time to just roll up the sleeves and just <laughs> kick up the feet on the desk. Yeah. All right. Looking forward to the conversation. Perfect. Perfect. So anyway, so I'll get things rolling. You know, that's a great bio again. Well, really, can you tell us your story? I want to know your story about how you became an SPO and got into the role you're in today. I mean, this is that that was a lot of movement again, but how, you know, what's your story, Lisa? For sure. everyone know. So my uncle, Dick Stutzman, is, was a school business official when I was in high school. Oh. And I, that's how I found out about the profession. When right. I was a senior, I had graduated from high school. And before I went to St. John Fisher College, 
I worked in, I was supposed to be working as a cleaner in the summer and that lasted for about six weeks. And then he pulled me into the business office and helped me, had me help him close the books. So I closed the extracurricular books wow. when I was a senior. Nice. And then I, the auditors were all <laughs> what an there. opportunity. Yeah. And then wow. the auditors Impressive. were all there and I met the, at the time it was Ray Wager firm and I met them and they knew I was going to school for accounting and they said, you know, keep us in mind. And uh, so I went to school, I graduated, I worked in public accounting. I didn't really like it. I didn't, I didn't like the hours. I didn't um, care for it. And then the treasurer's position opened up at Genesee, Wyoming BOCES. So I applied for it and I was um, accepted. And then at that point, I decided to go back to school for my master's and to be the school business administration. So I did that and I had really great mentors at Genesee, Wyoming, and I moved into the shared business positions between Wyoming and Mountmore Central. Okay. And it just, from there, I went from the two districts mm-hmm. to one district while I was at Genesee, Wyoming, BOCES. I also, that manager of financial services, I worked in special ed. So I was yeah. like the financial person for special ed and for those of you that work with BOCES and uh, special education departments, you know that there's a lot of finances that go behind the scenes of trying to figure out the, oh, yeah. the rates. And, and we had a preschool program at the sure. time. And, and then, yeah, I've just always worked in finance after Geneseo. I was at Geneseo and the Monroe One assistant superintendent position opened and I applied for it and I was fortunate enough to get it. And I have been here for the past um, 11 years. So you're one of the few, I'm saying few, because I don't know many that knew that business officials existed back in the early onset of your career. Yes. Yes. I didn't know. I mean, when I was a senior and I was working with my uncle, I didn't know that I was going to be a school business official, but I knew of the position. Yes. You know what, Jack? I just had an idea. I think Lisa would be a great addition to the next gen committee because she's been in a position in her life where she's seen oh, the yeah, entry sure. point from, but <laughs> from, is, from being she's adolescent. A current president. I don't know if she's got time for us. <laughs> right, right, so. right, right. So, Lisa, you've you've been in the industry, like I said, for thirty years when we introduced you. So, reflecting back in your career, what can you say that you love most about being a school business official, and why did that kind of make you join ASBO New York? So I love my job. I mean, it's different every single day. It's challenging. Some days you are a firefighter. Some days you get to sit in your office all day and some days you're out literally running around. You know, we are that position that is other duties as a, there's, there isn't any diet Coke in the Coke machine, call the business office. Uh, there's a water main break, call the business office. Right. So I, I love that part. I feel like we are the back end, the back of the house, as opposed to the front of the house being the instructional side. Yeah. I think that we're the back of the house and we have mm-hmm. to work in tandem with our instructional partners in order for to have a successful school. Correct. I like my favorite part has to do with the capital projects. I'm very proud of all the oh, yeah? projects that we've done in the different districts that I've worked in. Right now we're in the middle of a $24 million project. And so we are putting in new CTE programs, career and technical programs, welding booths, precision Uh manufacturing, culinary. And those are the kind of things that you don't usually see in a school district. So it's really great for us to be able to put those shops in for our students. And that's, that's a real tangible evidence of work that you've put in in the planning process. There's actually yeah. an end product that you can appreciate every day. And we had Victor Manuel on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he said the same thing. Like, 
capital projects were his thing. He loved seeing the end product and that was what he was most proud of. So, right. I mean, every year we, we work on our budget. So we start our budget and we work on our budget and it's all behind the scenes and nobody wants to talk about the budget because we never, ha- we never have any money and we, everyone always wants to add positions. We have to try to figure it out and we have the, and you have the tax cap and all of those constraints. And that's not the fun part. I mean, the fun part is when you actually see that capital project and it comes to fruition right. and we can walk through, I mean, walking through the welding shop and I, I use the word beautiful to describe it. And you don't usually associate the word beautiful and welding together, but it was <laughs> fabulous. We have 20 new welding booths and the students were just so excited about them. And they're, they're amazing. Wow. Yeah. They literally had the plastic on them and it was great. I mean, it, they were beautiful. Especially when you see the kids, you know, in those, those spaces that you've been planning and designing for so long, that's really where the rubber meets the road and where you right. get that, you know, that sense of joy where we, we actually yep. did something worthwhile here. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And when we were designing the, the, I'm going to call them the, the, the welding booths, the, the dirty shops in, in the sense of the construction precision manufacturing, where you get a lot of dust and dirt and those kind of shops. Like I went over there and we were talking about lockers and I went over and I talked to the, the students like, what do you need for lockers? What size lockers do you need? And the lockers were too small because there are teenage boys and they have, they needed room the for their shoes. Yeah. Well, it's not even their, their bags. They needed room for their shoes. They needed room oh. for their welding jackets. They needed room for their helmets. Yeah, those kind of things okay. that you don't think about. So we made yeah. sure that we, we talked to them so that we mm-hmm. incorporated what their needs were into the project. Good stuff. Wow. I mean, I can't tell you that like these conversations, I, I enjoy so much and you really laid it out there. So I, I want to ask you then, because, you know, you've been around. I want to I want to maybe say and I and I'm just making this myself. Other folks may not necessarily disagree, but they may have a different way of looking at it. But you've been around for quite some time in the industry. Right. So I want to look at maybe pre-turn of the century, right? What, what was that like? Um, that was the industrial revolution. <laughs> well, no, no, you guys make it. I, mean, I know, I had I mean, to take a step back. I think he meant uh, 2000. No, I know. 1900. <laughs> you know, I was like, wait a minute. For the 21st century, yeah, you know. And then like, then also, I, I want to say maybe the first 10, 15 years, right, of, of this current 21st century. And then, you know, of the last, I want to say five, six, seven years, how there's been such a transition, you know, could you tell me how you've navigated through, through all these years and the shifts in the, in the school business? Sure. Honestly, it's going to, it's not to meant to sound arrogant or conceited, but I think we do our job. Like we have a job to do and mm-hmm. we do our job. We, we do our homework. We, we research, we do our reading at the time we used to receive stacks of SED memos. They would literally come in the mail and there would be a stack of them and you'd have to read them. And you'd, well, first you'd have to track them down because they went to the superintendent's office. I was just going to ask, was <laughs> it still the same? Find them. Yeah, was it still the same where it went to the superintendent? You never saw yeah. it until like two months well, later. I was fortunate <laughs> enough. I had really great superintendents. So they usually gave the memos right to me as soon as they came in because if it okay. had anything to do with finance, they yeah. like just dropped it on my desk. Um, but we had to read those memos and then figure it out. But the, the commonality is networking, talking with our colleagues, attending meetings. I first started out, I was at Genesee, Wyoming, BOCES. That became a merged BOCES, went from 10 districts to 22 districts. We had monthly meetings. We went to those meetings. We talked. We just figured out like what the problem is. What are we going to do? How are you dealing with it? 
Same thing that we do now, whether we're doing it on Zoom or Teams or, you know, if we're fortunate enough to be in person, just working together with our colleagues. One thing I will be honest about, I was at BOCES when the tax cap came in. So Mm. I am very happy that I never had to deal with that directly. However, Mm. we feel strongly that our component districts are our community. And so we're Mm. very cognizant about our rates and making sure that that they are in line. we are fiscally responsible to them because they're fiscally responsible to their taxpayers. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And then so continuing, you know, we meet monthly with our business officials to make sure that okay. everyone that we're on the same page and whatever is happening at BOCES, we're sharing that information with them. I think the other thing is just to carry on with that whole networking that no one's gonna do you we are one person in the business office. We're the only person in our job in, in the district. So mm-hmm. we have to rely on each other to to figure out like if there's a That's problem, true. like how, how do you do something and, and how did you handle this? And and calling our colleagues and calling our experts, calling our attorneys, calling yeah. the architects, yeah. not not thinking like we're gonna do everything ourselves, but what yeah. can we do? And maybe knowing what you don't know and who to reach out to. Exactly. Yeah, good point. Exactly. Yeah. And saying it's okay, it's okay to say someone um told me when I first started out, like it's okay for you to say I don't know but Absolutely. I will find out. So don't, don't pretend to know something, but if mm. you don't know it, look it up or get back to somebody on it. Okay. Those are great points. I think the networking really resounds with me too. Jack and I have talked about this many times on the podcast where Asbo yeah. New York is such a diverse and supportive network and you can pick up the phone and call anybody really across the state at this point. I mean, we're, we're all in it together and especially, you know, just trying to help each other succeed in the industry. So I think the networking piece is, is a huge component. Yeah, I do too. And then I think one thing that both, I mean, that's a commonality from pre, you know, early when I first started out and what's still here. But I think one thing that also benefits us is when we're meeting like we used, when I was at Genesee, Wyoming, we used to travel maybe a half an hour, 45 minutes to get to that meeting. And okay. now we don't have to, because now we're on zoom with teams. So we don't need to worry about the travel time, but it's still yeah. important to attend those meetings and have those conversations. And okay. I, and I think like now we we're able to talk to people across the state more so than we used to, or maybe I'm just old and now I just know more people. So, but when I first started out, yeah. like relying on, relying on the experts in my area and using them as mentors. When I was at Mount Morrison, Wyoming, I was not only the business official, I was the treasurer at both of those districts also. So I was like doing, literally doing the books. And, you know, when I went to Geneseo, yeah, Mm. no, I was right. Doing the books. When I went to Geneseo, the capital fund was hand ledgers, the big giant books. So I moved that to... Wind it is cast. turn of the century, yeah. Lisa. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys told you. <laughs> right. So like, you know, just having conversations with um, business of more experienced business officials of like, how am I going to figure this out? How, what am I going to do? How, do? how do we do this? And those conversations are so important, regardless of where you are in your career. That's some great insight. Thank you. And I, I think we want to transition a little bit because you, you have been in the industry for some time now, but you've recently taken on a new leadership role as El Presidente of ASBO New York. So for yeah. all of our listeners, can you maybe give us an idea what it's like being the president of ASBO and really what you're most proud of uh, in ASBO New York? 
Sure. I will say it's a lot more work than I anticipated. Those reporter articles give me a little bit of anxiety. You did a great job, by the way, if anyone hasn't read it yet. Great job, Lisa. That was not a plug for myself. That was just uh, being a little bit of honesty and felt. This is my sixth year on the board. I'm very proud to be the president and to serve our members. I think that we are an outstanding organization. And I know that that's going to sound self-serving because we're the board and we're going to say that, but I think it's true. I've I've been a member for a very long time. You've asked me a previous question of why I joined. Well, I joined because when I first became a treasurer, my uncle told me he was a business official at Batavia City Schools. And he said, you need to join ASBO. You need to meet people. You need to network. You need to like be part of something that's larger than what you are. And he was absolutely right. And Mm -hmm. whether it's in when I first started out or now, um, I feel that that's, it's still a very important component of who we are as business officials. I think that we as business officials, I feel like we support each other more so than being competitive, that we are not, it's not me versus you. It's like, hey, here's a situation. What can we yeah. do? How can you help me out? Yeah. Um, I've been in a lot of different chapters. And I think that that's the same regardless of what chapter I've been in. That we're, we're friends. We like each other. We want to support mm-hmm. each other. I'm most proud about with ASBO. I've been on the government relations committee for, I'm not sure, maybe six or seven years now. I feel like, I, I think how we have grown that committee and how we have grown our advocacy and how we have advocated for the students of New York state and our districts. And I think that the fact that we've been successful on few, on some of our legislative priorities have really benefited not just the districts, but also our taxpayers. I think the fact that we are a member of ECB and we collaborate with them on legislative matters and um, a partner with NISCUS and NISBA mm-hmm. is very important. So those, that's what I'm most proud of with being the president of ASPO. Awesome stuff there. Yeah, I mean, so now the question is, let's see, you officially became president July 1st. So we're talking about maybe 120 days in your office right now, right? And <laughs> see. Okay. <laughs> and, and there's so much has occurred. But really, not looking at that, because, you know, I mean, that's that cap is in a blip. That's so fast. What do you see ahead, I guess, as your seat for the rest of the year? You know, you're about maybe, you know, third of the way through the year. But what do you what do you see for the better part of the year with the organization? Well, this year we are focusing on our chapters and our committees. At fall leadership, we had uh, the two breakout sessions. One was for chapters, one was for the committees. We want to do a a deep dive into them. Like, why do they exist? What is their purpose? How are their charges aligned to our strategic plan? We put together a strategic plan in January of 2019. We were in the process of rolling that out in the 1920s there the 2021 school year and then COVID hit and we mm-hmm. we didn't really put it aside but it wasn't our top priority because then we had some other situations that we had to work yeah, on. Yeah. but so but I think pulling out that strategic planning aligning our chapters with it helping our chapter or excuse me aligning our committees with it and helping our chapters. We have some very strong okay. chapters. We have some strong chapters that are in an area that has that are more populated. And then we have some chapters that need a little bit of assistance. You know, maybe they only meet once a year, maybe they meet twice a year. What can we do to assist them? How can we provide them professional development opportunities if they're having a local meeting and they're looking for a speaker? 
putting together a speaker repository, those kind of things. The other thing that we started a couple of years ago was our policy manual. So we're going to be finishing up that policy manual. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you. That's great. And you know, it's funny when you mentioned some of that stuff, I was like, yeah, part of my responsibility is getting around on me, you know, being a board member is I'm going to be visiting a lot of the chapters and, and I'm having those conversations. That's great to really get these things established. So, and, and like you um, said earlier, Lisa, too, I mean, it's a lot of work more than I think we all imagined, but yes. it's purposeful work. And a lot of this has to get done, I think, to just bring strength to the organization, bring more of a roadmap for, for chapters and for the organization as a whole. So I think once the bulk of this work is done, we'll be good for some time because all the chapters will kind of be more realigned to ASBOs in general, instead of just kind of fragmented sometimes as they are now. I think so too. And I, we're hoping that it'll be helpful for the chapters because we don't want the chapters to feel like that they're out there and that we're not supporting them and that they're not part of the, the larger organization. True. Absolutely. Yeah. So Lisa, if, you were talking to a new business official or maybe a seasoned business official that is just really seeking some advice in general in the profession, having so much experience that you have, what, what kind of general advice would you give somebody in this profession? I think that I would say you need to be part of the administrative decision-making team in your district. Every instructional decision has a fiscal consequence and a successful district has the two sides of the house that are in alignment. You mm. need to make sure that both sides are on alignment because like if something's happening in the classroom, it definitely has a fiscal consequence. Yep. And if, if the instructional side thinks that they're going to do A, B, and C, and you don't have the funds for it, then it's not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, if you're in a fiscal crisis, that's the first place we're going to go is you're going to need to talk to your instructional partner of this is happening here's where we might need to tighten our belt a little bit. Like what can we do to make some concessions? And you just need to, I mean, you need to be in alignment. You don't always agree, but at the end of the day, you need to make sure that everything's on the same page so that when you're meeting with your superintendent, like you have a plan of what a plan of attack for the district. And, And that, and that happens with not just in the classroom, but with construction also. You know, you can't do construction by ourselves. We can't, I wouldn't have been able to work with the construction team on the, and uh, on the welding shop, for example, without meeting with the welding teacher and the principal and the assistant superintendent for instruction. Wow. Very good. Well, I must say, Lisa, this was a great, great podcast episode. Those listeners are going to be really happy and excited to hear from you Uh, as president of as well, thanks for coming on here, John and I, and uh, we really appreciate the time you spent. So yeah, and, and Lisa, b- before we let you go, um, you you have to let us know any Halloween plans. Halloween? Are you dressing up? What are you What are you doing? Yeah, um, what do you do for Halloween? Okay. Well, first of, let me say thank you very much for the opportunity to be on the podcast. I really appreciate sure. you asking me. My Halloween plans are: I am going to volunteer at a five k for for a kids race tomorrow morning, and oh, I'm going to awesome. hand out. Uh, water and pumpkins at the end of the race. And then on Halloween itself, I'm going to go to my um, brother's house and hand out candy so he can take his, his children out trick-or-treating. 
Oh, how good fun. Stuff. Oh, that's, that's a good on Sunday, and so I will be dressed as a Bills fan. Yes, go and so Bills. that's my Halloween costume, my, a Bills fan. Bills, go best fight. You go Bills. You those Bills. That's right. Lisa uh, Allen. I know. That's your team. Without <laughs> a doubt. I've seen those posts on social media. Yeah. Well, listen, this is great. Hey, and that's so awesome that you're actually going to be on the other side. You're normally doing 5Ks or running yourself, but now you're doing it for the kids. Yes. I love yeah. that. I'm that's gonna great. I'm going to go volunteer. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure and we we loved having you on. You're welcome. Thank you. And that was our interview with Lisa Ryan. Thank you again to Lisa for taking the time today. She's a great friend of ours and somebody who we we greatly respect. And, you know, obviously as a president of Asbury, New York, has great vision for the organization and really laid out kind of what's to come for the rest of us in Asbo. Yeah, I got to say, Lisa... You know, I I was so pretty much when I started in, in, in Asbel, New York, I want to say 2012, I remember seeing her. I remember seeing a whole, whole bunch of people, John. And I got to say that she was intimidated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, but having to get to know her over the years and just have her come on, it just adds to all of this. So we're, we're hopeful that you guys get a lot out of this podcast and, and just see the inside Lisa. So having said that, we got more in store. We hope you enjoy, I mean, the last few episodes. I mean, you're talking about, you know, state senators, head of NISCUS. We're just bringing more and more. We got in this final quarter, I want to give you a little tidbits. We got a transportation supervisor coming on. Um, We're going to have, we're going to talk about emergency management. It's just going to keep going and going. And then I can't wait to do next week. We're actually going to do a special episode. I don't want to give it away. It's going to be you can't say live, but it will be in person at SBMW. So for all those going to SBMW, look forward to seeing you. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. And this is SBO Perspectives. Signing off. See you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thanks.